Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. And I just would like to say, see, I can do it from memory. I have no script. I I have to say I'm impressed. We were just, before we started recording. Yeah, he I doubted was, me. I, I just thought you wrote that whole opening Yeah, down. no, I got it all up here in my noggin. I got it ready to go. Come on. Uh, Give me I, some credit here. No, I'm impressed because I'm pretty sure you nail it every week. So I'm. Thank you. Except for the couple of weeks where I just don't. I don't remember a week where you didn't. Well, you edited it out. So. No, I'm. Eh, I don't think so. I think. Oh, you definitely did. All right. If you say so. I'm just. I can I'm remember still amazed. At least so that just means that occasions. you can memorize things and that when you sit there and say, oh, I know. I, I can memorize okay. things. Yeah. I've been in plays. I can memorize. Oh. Now that I have that on recording, I never, we'll remember no, no, that no, no, when no, you start no, studying. No, 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 like, no, 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 remember that. No, oh, no, 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 Okay, well, um, I'm a little bit afraid to ask you how your week was because you said like you had this whole thing ready to go. No, just, I, I think it's not my week that we should be talking about. It should be yours. I, mine will be quick because... I really think it should be your week oh, that yeah. we talk about. Oh, but um, I'm just going to go into my Liverpool spiel for the for a very short period of time. And I was wrong. I thought we had actually a bunch of games before we did this next recording. But mm. they're really far between. I mean, there's a bunch, but they're it's not they don't play all tomorrow. But they played on Wednesday, and uh, they tied. I mean, it's great that they tied, but. We had really they, well, won. had they won, they would have taken a, a much bigger lead. Um, I, I am it was worried. like seven like, points or something, right? They would have gotten seven points in the lead. Um, I mean, Man City losing was crazy, but I I am very nervous because it's been so long since they've won the title, and I want them to, and I know that it's that they're playing great, but I don't know. I, I, I just feel like Man City's toying with them and just basically <laughs> saying like, yeah, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll get you. So there's 14 games left. Oh, wow. And... And the problem is City plays the day before Liverpool pretty much for almost seven of the next eight or nine games. Oh, no. So what that means is that, you know, say say City, which they should, wins every game, they're going to keep knocking that lead down. So, right. So today City's playing. If they win, the lead will be two points. Liverpool plays tomorrow. So, again, say Liverpool loses tomorrow, then it's two points. If Liverpool ties, it's only three. And But if they win, they keep it back to five. You know what I mean? So, oh, wow. It's just one of those things where they, it, there's an advantage for City to be playing the day before because if they win, all the pressure then shoots over uh, to yeah. Liverpool. So I don't know. I'm I'm very nervous and I'm just hoping for the best. And they just deserve. They need it. It. it I mean, it would be unbelievable. But yeah. So we'll know more tomorrow, and then we'll go from there. But uh, but yeah. Other than that, tomorrow as in Monday for us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I will. I think you've had the oh stellar God. week. So <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start with the more mundane thing, and then I'm gonna work my way up to the the thing that I I'm still. Oh my God. Okay. So for starters, um, I started driver's ed this week, and that was 
That was a time. Oh my god, that was only the first. Uh, that was yeah. the first week. I felt like yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, driver's ed. I guess it was last week, sort of, but it was very scary. There are so many rules. Like, how do people like drive it's, it, and it, just sort of? It's overwhelming to everyone. I remember when I had to do it. It is. It's. It's so terrifying. It, it is, but you'll see. It's a lot of. It's just you're you're gonna. It's experience. Just think about it this way. Everybody Don't, makes it look so easy. But that. But you should think about that. That. That's the case. That it's just, you just like gotta anything sort of get else. Into a groove, sort well, of. it's practice. It's yeah. just that kind of thing. Okay. Well, now the moment you've all been waiting for. Uh, Friday. Oh my god. Uh, and that's why we drink. Came to Boston to do a live show, and we got VIP tickets. And so we were really close to the stage. We were like two chairs away from the stage, like. Oh my god. And they were right there and they did the story and it was a beautiful and oh my god. And then afterwards we got to meet them and oh my god. First of all, I got to hug Em and Christine, which was probably like one of the greatest moments of my life. <laughs> I got to actually like talk face to face to them. And we told them about our podcast and they were like cuz basically they were pretty like the inspiration for this podcast. And so I was like, yeah, you know, you guys, your podcast inspired us to do our own little father-daughter podcast. And they were so sweet about it. They said they were going to listen. So well, I mean, it was your podcast. It was, you know, you you were doing the podcast and it was all your inspiration. So, I mean, I think it's great. And I and they are the most down-to-earth They're people so sweet. I have I've met. I mean, it's just great because you can just tell that they care so much. You can, I mean, you know, from celebrity versus, you know, whatever it may be, but it was just so great from everything from the show to even the meet and greet afterwards where they just took the time. I mean, they, it wasn't the, okay, yeah, get, take your picture, yeah, some small talk, like, that kind of thing. It was, you know, they, it, it's, you can, you can tell that they just, they know where their roots are mm. and they, they care about their listeners. So I, I, I agree with you. Everything, they're just, they're, they're just good people. Oh, they were just so amazing like literally the second we walked out afterwards i was struggling to put my gloves on because i was shaking so hard i had the biggest smile on my face and it was oh my god it was amazing and and i got to meet eva that's right um, yeah which i've i've talked to her like over instagram through our podcast so just for like chat because her podcast the paranormal captivity podcast so good it um it talks about like books that have to do with cats, especially the Cat Who series, that listening to the podcast actually made me start the series, which I have to say is really good, and I really like it. Um, but, yeah, so I got to meet her, and that was yeah, really Yeah, she was cool. great, too. I mean, it was just the same thing, where you can you can tell that, um, again, they they care about their audience. And, oh, yeah. And, again, everything she does, and I know that um, Emma and Christine go through it all about just, you know, how much they rely on her and everything, but just you know even her speaking with you afterwards you know she wanted to talk more and she you know and i know she was like i gotta take pictures for everyone else yeah. but but even in between when you were um uh dming her too just kind of say like hope you know everything else it, it's just great that they take the time mm. and they care about their listeners yeah yeah so yeah i that was and i'm glad amazing. you it was it was from my perspective it was just awesome to watch kind of it was almost just staying on the outside seeing you because it was great because I mean, I know that you were inspired by them and you look up to them and all, and I think that's awesome and all, but I think it was also just the, 
just watching you with them was phenomenal and just how they when they were talking to you and just then the back and forth because you know you got to that point of just like wow i'm meeting these people that i you know even the other people that we had met there were saying that there are there are our best friends that we haven't met you know that kind yeah, of thing and, it's just you see you feel like you know them so well but yeah. like and, oh man but i think that part of where you, there's that point of saying that okay now i've finally met you yes i'm in awe and then it switches to the okay now we're having like a conversation, a conversation yeah. right and i think that's the when great i part first of it. like i when i first like met em like like oh my god i I couldn't speak. I was like, I just, you guys, I, I don't, you guys, I don't even know. And I, oh my God. But they were both also just trying to say, yeah, we get it. You know, we understand. Yeah. And I think again, that's, oh, so and not in a way that they're saying, you know, where these, they were just like, we've been there. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, it's great to just remember. I like I said, it's the, remember I your like, roots. I couldn't believe I was actually like, like they were there and like yeah. real. Oh my God. But it was awesome. No, I got, and again, um, they're just, just good people all around. Please, please listen to their podcast if you have not, because, oh, so good. Okay. All right. Oh, man. Coming down a little bit. <laughs> um, do we have any other things to say before we jump in? No, I think, you know. It's our 28th episode. No, that's awesome. It's your well, 15th. It's, yeah, it's your 20th. I mean, technically, 15th. it's like you were on episode four, but you didn't do like a story or whatever. You did yeah. your your own personal story but yeah. 20 episodes yeah i don't think we watch anything on netflix either and i know we're waiting for uh um jackie's uh hulu, input, hulu yeah. uh, review yes on the other uh, fire festival and i know it like it's been more and more in the news about how they're going after everyone to mm-hmm. just kind of go through it um what has been rising up though is because of the ted bundy tapes and the trailer for What's it called? Evil, wicked, and something vile. What's it called? I can't remember. It's a long title. It's like shockingly. Yeah, shockingly vile. It's like something evil, wicked, and shockingly vile. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, something. I can't it's a remember. lot of adjectives. Right? Yeah, it's because okay. he's because that's what the judge says yeah. to him at one point at when he's convicted the first mm-hmm. time. But um, but go ahead. I know. I think I know where you're going with this. Well, honestly, we watched the trailer for it. And I thought that they were kind of glorifying him. Like, you, you said it right off the bat. I remember when you're watching, you're going, why are they making him look like a rock star or whatever it was? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. And then I've seen like a couple people um, have been writing posts like, oh, like th- they're showing him as a rock star because in his own twisted mind, he was the rock star. But I feel like that doesn't like, I, I think that doesn't excuse. I don't think you should. If you're going to show like that, he thought of himself as a rock star show that but don't show him as a rock star you know no i agree and i think that we've talked about this in the past about how you're trying to get justice for the the, the victims it's, yeah it's, it's about the victims like right you and shouldn't put him up on a right you don't glorify anything like you don't glorify the 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 killer and i think with him that part of showing him as a rock star even there i wouldn't what i'd rather it do is it's you want to show it as in this delusional way, yeah, how he thinks, yeah, yeah how he may think, or she, or whoever the person is <laughs> that is um, doing these things, or mm. that kind of thing, but and then just almost make it the caricature, or how how weak and cowardly, you know yeah. what I mean? Because I think that's the thing. Like what you want to do is just say that this is. I mean, first of all, it's not normal. Like we can't make it normal. Um, and the thing with him was uh, when you hear like the upbringing and everything mm. else about him. And when then and again, don't, I don't want to get away. So if you haven't seen it, you'll learn more about his 
how he found out things about himself. But I mean, he was he was a coward. I mean, he he's he was just a bad person who couldn't deal with you know rejection right. and and just couldn't cope. And you know, you you hope that you have the ability to have a support group to take care of that. But if you don't and you go down that other path, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I can't say, well, oh, he just didn't have that support. I just think mm-hmm. that you got, there's just, a, there's just a wrong way to go. And yeah. um, I, I think the other part is, I, I remember we were reading, or one of the books I'd read from the behavioral scientist, I don't know which one it was, but they were saying that, you know, everybody has certain tendencies that huh. are either, I don't know. I, I mean, this is, I'm not a scientist. So what I'm saying is just kind of what I took from it, but everyone has maybe some psychopathic or sociopathic tendence tendencies, or they just kind of can think about things in certain ways or have, or lack empathy in cer- for certain things. Um, but not all become killers. So you're saying like, so they were saying it's more like everyone has the nature, but it's the nurture that it, I think, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think, yeah, I just think that there are these things where people have thoughts, but they don't act on them. Right. Right. And then there's those folks who can't understand. So I think it's the psychopath that doesn't have empathy. That right? actually is going to play into my story for next week. Ooh, okay. So, so. I will leave that. We'll talk more about that then. Oh, but, yeah. Um, That's if I remember. But yeah, so I do agree with you. So I think I'm, I'm torn now because the guy who who directed, and I think, I don't know if he wrote it, the the, I the Zac don't Efron, know, but I know one. what you're talking about. He's the director of, of the Ted Bundy tapes. of the yeah of the documentary. And also the thing about the the movie the the vile whatever is that Lily Collins is in it, who I already really like, and I don't know. And, and I think Zac Efron is going to be great. So I don't think yeah. it's them. I just think that. Oh yeah, I the thing like for me, what I personally do is the second I hear about something that's like in some way problematic or not okay, just no matter how much I well, like the celebrity, I can't. Well, the thing we could say is that maybe the trailer was cut that way. We don't know the movies that's that way, true. right? So that we shouldn't, true. you know, we, it's the same thing. Don't judge a book by its cover kind right. of thing. So maybe we just have to wait to see how people come about it. Um, I know it played, though, at, was it at Sundance it played? Yes, it did, I think. So, but again, I think people did review it saying that, it, you know, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I think, do know yeah. that one of the victims came out and said, like, she's basically, she's like, look, I'm not, I'm not against the film by any means or anything like that. And she just said, just got to give it its due. But you just need to remember that. I think Netflix came out about how many people are talking about how hot Ted Bundy is. And I think just yeah, there, right there. a lot of people are doing that. I don't like, care. Like, if you just judge, again, a book by its cover and you don't go into depth, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't care, like, wow, if it's a, a, a an attraction or so superficial. The dude is a He's a murderer. He's a serial killer. He's and it's a not horrible even that, person. But it's, yeah, and it's not even that. It's not that he's just a murderer. I mean, the things he did and yeah. how he did them, right? I mean, like, that's the weird thing about how you talked about Ed Kemper and here, where you believe Ed Kemper has remorse. And I'm like, I'm not trying to justify him, but and he did vile things. He did awful things. But he also was kind of like, look, I am, I know what I am. Don't let me go. And yeah, I, this is all I have left is try to figure out. So he's trying to atone to it mm. in a way. Where Ted Bundy was just like, I got to get out, and I want to do it again and again he, and again. Yeah, and he's scared. He's a, like right. So terrifying. that's the thing. Like when you look behind those eyes, you see it. Like you can tell. Like that, not normal. There's oh, there's just something off. Right. All right. So again, enough. But if you haven't yet, you should still watch the Ted Bundy the Ted Bundy tapes to <laughs> Ted Bundy. Yeah, and uh, um, 
And there's a couple other new ones coming out that we should talk about next week that I've mm-hmm. just been I've been looking at. Oh, there is one just to completely change and lighten the mood. Oh, okay. All right. February 15th, if you are a Taika Waititi fan. Yes, and yes, you, yes, uh, So yes, if you yes, haven't, yes. Hunt for the Wilder People, Boy, What We Do in the, sh- the Shadows. <laughs> I mean, of course, Thor Ragnarok, but before that was always oh, yeah. He produced uh, a New Zealand film, and the, the one of the female leads, it's actually, I think it was written by the two women that are the leads. Mm. Um, the, one of the female leads is uh, in What We Do in the Shadows. She's the... Um, the police officer, no, right? No, yeah, yeah, the police officer, but she was the... Um, the, oh, oh, yeah. The there's the, a name for it, but for what we do, she the, was the. I can't remember what it was. The woman who like ended up. Yeah, yeah she's 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 the a main part that she wants to become um, a vampire. So, uh, but um, the the movie's called uh, the Breaker Upperers. Yeah. And it's out February 15th. It's been out in New Zealand. It's, it's won, I think, I a bunch am of awards. So excited! Watch for that. the trailer. Please watch the trailer. It's completely, you know, it, uh, February 15th. Netflix. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um. All right. I think that wraps us up, right? Absolutely. Okay. Now, with all that spiel out of the way, let us dive in to our story. So, I've got a ghost story for you. Yay. Hey. No, I'm 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 interested because it's That was not an interested <laughs> yay. Well, again, I love a good ghost story. You know that. My my big thing is that <laughs> Well, it's one of those things where, you know, is it I feel like it's bad. I'm so desensitized. Your favorite to it. person in the world features in this one. My favorite person in the world. Oh yeah. What's the year? What, what are we talking about? Um. Well, it. Like, I mean, it's it is continuous, but nowadays. Oh, are the Warrens in this? No, 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 no. Zach. Yes. Oh my god. We get a, a cameo from our good friend Zach Bagans. So. I'm going to start. Um, We are going to talk about the Mizpah Hotel. The what? Mizpah. Mizpah. M-I-Z-P-A-H. Mizpah. Where? where? In Tonopah, Nevada. Okay. I think I wrote wrote this, how to pronounce it down, but I forgot. Anyway, it's in Nevada, so I have to know. So, um, this hotel opened in 1907 uh it was built for two hundred thousand dollars in 1907 that's a lot of money yeah um five stories tall it was the tallest building in nevada at the time okay um and the town was sort of a western style mining town um and the hotel itself was built over a mine um that wasn't like in use Okay. Really. I was going to say, like, it doesn't seem like that's good yeah, thinking. No, <laughs> it wasn't. It was, like, sort of not in use. But um, while the hotel had been built, two uh, miners actually died in the mine. Uh, and while they were building it? No, after. And I'll, I'm going to go over it. But okay. um, And it seemed that they were murdered, but no one was ever caught for it. So basically what happened was at some point um, – a lot of money was being stored in a vault at the hotel. But it wasn't very secure. They had like really thick cement walls on all the sides, but the floor was dirt. And so it was they were trying over to go through mine. the mine to dig up to get the. So yeah, they the left dough. the money in the vault like for a night. Like every Hollywood movie. This is awesome. Yeah. And then in the morning when they returned, there was a hole in the floor 
and the money was all the money was gone it was like leading into the mine right so they go into the mine um like they investigate they go in the mine and they find the bodies of two miners and they were dead gotcha so they could have been involved and it could have there could have been a third person who right someone was involved and just basically said all right you're done you've done my business there's actually sounds like one of the stories from justified but go ahead well we have to keep reading um watching that because we are well you're caught up i'm not caught up um yeah i have no idea how they were murdered but they were dead i'm just gonna assume and they didn't say what you know how they were found i mean what killed them no they just they appeared to be murdered um so that story is from the hotel manager did they say how much money was stolen i don't know it was a lot of silver and gold okay all right and it was um again i'm I'm just trying to it was it money from guests or it was just the money from i think it was one important person or a couple of important people that had this money that they wanted to keep there for the night and then were like moving on the morning or something so this is to keep my valuables and maybe they're the the receipts and take of the actual hotel probably i mean i mean because i mean if you're if you're traveling with a lot of money just in general i mean you're already in work so 1907 then yeah. yeah um so in 1911 um, a fire broke out in the mines, killing 17 men. Not, I don't think it was the one that the hotel was on top of, but just sort of as a aside. Um, and then in the 1940s, we're sort of jumping a little bit, but in the 1940s, um, the hotel built a casino. Whoa. Okay. I think that is some incorrect information right there. They built a casino area filled with like a roulette wheel, uh, craps tables, blackjack, and this is definitely wrong, but I wrote 80 slot machines, so. Oh, no, no. I mean. In the 1940s? They definitely had, uh, when when gambling came through, they must have had some type of slot. But type. 80 slot machines? You're saying the number of them? No, 80s. Or maybe, yeah, 80s slots. I think, I think there were 80 slot machines. Oh. I don't think it's 80s slot machine, like from the 80s. Like, what oh. do they do? They were like in big hair and, you know, glam rock. I don't know what you want to call it. They also had a, a what's it called? A Kino something. Yeah, Kino's a, another. Kino machine. Yeah. That comes into play later. I'm just trying to think when when Vegas became the hotbed, because I felt like it must have been the 50s and 60s when the mob got in there and, mm. you know, Bugsy Siegel and all those guys. Yeah. So this is the 40s. All right. Yes. So the hotel would change hands many times. Uh, and then in 1979, it came into possession of Frank Scott. Um, and he began to restore it. Um, and it was a 2.5-year process that cost about $4 million. Um, 79, okay. So then in 1999, uh, the hotel closed due to changes in population. Which I mean, I, I I think that means like a tourist trip. So how out? F- you don't know how far this was from Vegas, Las Vegas. I mean, I can look it up. That's okay. That's all right. I'm just trying to think. You know, if if again, mining town, destination, place. But all right, so it closes because of just the they're not getting the right clientele. Yeah. Okay. So then in 2011, uh, it was reopened by Fred and Nancy Klein. This is them. I didn't, there weren't many pictures I could find for this. So they look so happy. They do look happy. 
is everything dead behind them? Like the where, where like where do they Around stand? Like an orchard. Oh, it's an orchard. It looks like very brown to me. It does. It may, it looks like a nice fall photo. Okay. Um. So. I didn't think there were seasons in Vegas, but okay. <laughs> oh. Or not Vegas, You're Nevada. Right. But go ahead. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. So, um, there are a couple like famous people that are involved with the hotel. Um. Now. Just in its entire history. Okay. I just All wanted right. to like give a brief sort of okay thing. So some famous people, uh, Jack Dempsey, yep, legend of boxing. Yep. His first fights were small events in Ton- Tonopah. So before he became the like name. famous yep. and Goldfield, uh, and he actually used to work at the hotel. Okay. Um, then Wyatt Earp, the yeah. famous gunfighter, um, he allegedly stayed at the hotel. And Howard Hughes, yeah, a billionaire, married actress Jean Peters at the hotel. Howard Hughes is in itself. I mean, that's something that could be a story at some point. Oh, all right. I know nothing about him. So, now, probably the most famous, famous person that's been to this hotel, Key Pittman. No, nothing? I was. I would have said Howard Hughes, but I no, I don't know. Key Pittman. He was a United States senator from Nevada from 1913 to 1940. But here's the interesting part. Legend has it. That Pittman died of a heart attack on the eve of the 1940 election, and supporters kept his body on ice in a Mizpah bathtub until the election had ended and his successor could be appointed. But it's actually not true. He died in Reno. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. On Ghost Adventures, they said the whole story, like, about him in the bathtub as if it were true. They even had, like, little cuts where they had, like, a bathtub in the middle of the hallway, and they were like... They so kept him mean alive. they were lying? They probably just didn't know because I had to search they didn't real know. hard. I had to search really hard to find that, that he actually didn't die there. But they were like, When you say search died. real like, hard, are like you saying second that? second or third page of okay, Google? I, just, I was just trying to understand that. <laughs> Listen, okay. anyway, don't worry about it. Okay, so, <laughs> um, yeah, but they were like, keep Hitman died in the bathtub and they or he had a heart attack and they kept him alive in an ice bathtub until the election was over I just, <laughs> I, <laughs> is there any video, video footage of him getting punched in the face like just at any point just you know some passerby just kind of be like but anyway <laughs> oh my god okay so let's move on to the hauntings all right um so items will move on their own um there is a phantom figure that taunts guests so just quick quick question they after they renovated in 79 and now this new fan this new couple that own it in 99 uh 2011 sorry 2011 um they've renovated it again i assume to be modern yeah i'm gonna go over it uh in a second but um so it's still five stories and that kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Um, so objects are levitating. Moving around by themselves. I didn't say levitating. Oh, just... Get your facts straight, Dad. Jeez. So they were on a table and they moved, so that's why they weren't levitating. They, didn't, they weren't in the air or anything like that moving around. Not that we know of. I, I, I just, assume there I, would be reports of I, that. I, moving around wasn't detailed enough. I, you know, It could have been levitation. Yeah, it could have been. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's not not levitating because you haven't said. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, go ahead. Also, allegedly, uh, there are ghosts of children on the third floor. 
but there isn't really any backstory for that. I came across it in one article and could not find it anywhere else. So. Um, and these are articles. All this has been happening post 2011 when these people, there's, mm-hmm. you don't have articles of previous um, um, I occurrences didn't. or witness reports before nope. 2011. Hmm, interesting. I do not. Okay. No, I, it's not your fault. <laughs> so anyway, okay. um, let's go into some more detail about those miners. The keep, two. Yes. The I two keep mine. thinking about uh, when I say miners, I think like, oh, under 18. No, miners isn't like mining things. So, um, so they have like one of those. Well, I couldn't have had a headlamp at the point at that time, but they have a, maybe some type of hat and a pickaxe. Yeah. All right. Um. So, uh, so there was a group of ghost hunters that was not part of Ghost Adventures that investigated here, mm-hmm. uh, and they got an EVP um, when they asked the name of the ghost, the miners that died, and they said Jacob. Okay. That's but, all I have about that. But they so they they there's no record of who the miners were. No. Okay. All right. So then one of the ghost hunters claimed that he asked, like he asked if anyone was there. Um, and then he heard a voice say here. And then he turned and th- like he was in the basement. And then there was this hallway and um, the shadowy figures at the end of it and just like rushed towards him. It, but so it was the basement of the actual hotel. Yes. So and this are, actually, is the mine still there or did they close all that up? I think it's still there. I feel like. Yes, just, it is still there because they went in on Ghost Adventures. I just keep feeling like that. To support a hotel underneath tunnels, it's pretty stupid. Just doesn't seem safe to me. But um, there was a video because they were ghost hunters. Like they had their own like video cameras and stuff. So there was a video that you obviously can't see the ghost, but the guy is like standing in the room and he's like, "Is anyone here?" And then there's like silence, and then he like turns his head and just like jumps like several. So he totally got spooked by something. Yeah. Okay. He did like you can tell he got spooked. Yeah. But it, I don't know what it was. Again, I think all it those could have been his own shadow. Well, I mean. it, it's still it's got to be freaky because when you're when you see those things, especially because it's like pitch black, pitch black, right? And they whatever if they're using the infrared or the mm-hmm. night night vision goggles or whatever, you know, yeah. anything can freak you out. And I, yeah. I, yeah. All right. So now let's talk about the most famous ghost of this hotel. I think your version of what's most famous and mine are sometimes different. So go ahead. Howard Hughes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, the lady in red. Um, oh, okay. So uh, she was a sex worker mm-hmm. and some variations. There are some variations where she wasn't. But um, I was reading about this and apparently ladies in red are usually ghosts of sex workers. Whereas ladies in white are like usually ghosts of like, I don't know, just maidens or something okay what i, I just I, i'm not discounting your this thing going through there i just feel like this is a great way for people just to make the stories that way so ladies in black are what what probably widows i thought they were demonic no because like the lady in black on george's island most lady in, that's gonna be one of my stories by the way most anything that's usually been lady in black you just think that somehow they're more dark evil that kind oh of thing. well I, i'm sure you were thinking sh- of the movie i was thinking of our own little haunted george's island okay again i just think that that's just what people use to make some type of explanation mm. of it that's so. fair that's probably true honestly so. so okay 
So, Lady in Red. Um, the hotel was once visited by a psychic who claimed that her name was Rose. Okay. And Lady in Red. Wow. <laughs> yeah, look at that. what a coincidence. So, remember that Kino machine? Yeah. Um, there's one in the basement uh, that's disconnected, and the numbers will still light up. And um, it is said that she likes the machine, and she keeps lighting up the numbers because she wants to play. So, she's that's all she does? No, there's more. Okay. Um, so, so, she has a gambling problem, too. <laughs> yeah. So, she died in 1914. We know that. Okay. Um, but there are different variations of how she died. So, the first one is that she was leaving the room of a patron, and she was spotted by a, quote, jealous ex-lover. Uh, and she was brutally murdered in the hallway of the fifth floor, and she was stabbed and strangled or decapitated. Okay, I'm just, uh, it's rare to hear of jilted woman lover that comes out and then decapitates. No, she's the one that got decapitated. Right, exactly. So I'm just saying, but it was a woman that would have done that to the lady in red, right? Because No, it's a- I was saying a jilted ex-lover of hers oh, killed her. Not, the, not her patron. Oh, yeah, no. But the, the, the lover didn't know what she did. Well, like I said, some variations say she was a sex worker, some don't. So she was just having an affair. Or I guess she well, was not. Right. Forget. Well, yep. Go ahead. the second one is that she was married or a mistress to, if she was married, she was had a husband, obviously. And if she was a mistress, she was the mistress of the hotel owner at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, And on Ghost Adventures, they said that she was a kept woman um, of the hotel Of whoever. Owner, of oh, the owner. Okay. Uh. And she was discovered by the husband or owner of the hotel or whoever it was um, to be with another man after he, he had, was going to leave, um, but he missed his train. So he came back, discovered and she her. And, I mean, he caught her. Sorry. Yes. So then he saw her and then either stabbed and strangled or decapitated her. So okay. it's just, she died the same way in all the versions. All right. um, so violent death. Yeah. And then the third one, she was just killed by a jealous gambler. Okay. So probably like someone drunk lost a lot of money. Just like. Uh, maybe. I I, uh. I I don't know. Um. So the most haunted room in the hotel is room 502. Um, but the lady in red room is 504. Uh, so the reason for that is um, 502, 503, and 504 used to be all the same room. Okay. And Real that good. was like the room that she was in before she died. Right. Um, and then when the clients bought the um, hotel, they turned it to three separate rooms. So this is the lady in red room. It's pretty bird. It's uh. It's very pretty, red. It's definitely very red. It's beautiful though. It's nice. Very room. ornate. Yeah. Um. It's very seventies to me with that carpet. <laughs> I wouldn't know. That's true. <laughs> well, you did see The Shining. I did see The Shining. That was quite a film. Best comedy out there. Anyway. Just need a big wheel and you'll see. <laughs> oh, and then this is the hotel itself. I don't know why the pictures keep making themselves so small, but that's it. It's a nice looking building. It's a pretty normal looking building. You know, just sort of a building. So, let us continue. Um, so, it is alleged that the Lady in Red targets individual male passengers in the elevator whispering, hey, you, into their ears. Hmm. And 
um, again, on Ghost Adventures, uh, there's a story that this one guy was, like, in the elevator, and there was a lady in red next to him on the elevator, and he just, like, was talking with her, just sort of chilling, um, and then she just sort of disappeared. I just think that if you saw somebody in all red, first of all, just depending on their what they look like, what they're wearing i mean right i'm assuming that she's wearing red of the style of the night of ni- early yeah. 1900s mid 1900s you would just be hmm, interesting especially just red in that you'd, you'd think are you going on to a costume party are you you know whatever it may be so i just think that then to be thinking it disappears and especially now when everybody has like phones mm. you just think that eh, this is odd just snap a picture. I guess that's what you should be doing from now on. When you start talking to someone, you're like, hmm, different. Hey, you want to take selfie. a selfie? Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, and then another guy who, like, works in the hotel, uh, he was on the fifth floor, and he saw, like, a flash of red. <laughs> I just hit my microphone. Whoops. He saw a flash of red go by. <laughs> anyway. Um, so... That jealous gambler that I was talking about also allegedly haunts the hotel, uh, sometimes leaving a single pearl behind. But some people say that the lady in red is the one who leaves the pearl. Leaves pearl, yeah. Hmm. Um, and then one of the elevators, uh, which is supposed to be out of service, opened and closed its doors repeatedly. And this was on Ghost Adventures, and I watched the clip. I don't know. Honestly, I would believe it if I didn't know that ghost adventures is kind of a joke just doors opening and closing it was the elevator door and it was out of service did it still have power i have no idea Um, i mean being out of service may mean like you're not it's not being used but it still has everything Mm. to work that's true so Uh, actually yeah that's a good point i i don't know it if i didn't know anything i would believe it but i do know some things i have like (laughs) Hey! 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 Go ahead. Stop! They, um, they, on on Ghost Adventures, um, they were talking to the lady in red, and one person, like, they, there were two people recording, I don't even know their names, one of them was Zach, the other one was someone else, um, and I bet that person is glad that they don't. No one knows their name because then they'd get made fun of just as much. Well, I mean, other people know their name. Like Christine knows his name. I don't know his name because I don't watch Ghost Adventures. Fair enough. But um, he's like one of the main dudes. There's like three main dudes. So, so Zach and the other guy are both recording, and they're like talking to the ghost. So they're like, you know, I'm I'm sure nobody wants to call you like the lady in red. Like, can we have your name, right? And then the guy that i don't know his name was like oh my god did you guys hear that and everyone was like no and he was like i heard i am me like i am me and zach was like oh my god so they played back his recorder zach's recorder and they heard nothing and then they were like let's try to play back this guy's recorder so they played the recorder and they heard i am me like on his recorder there wasn't even a sound where there, there was something but on the other recorder there was a sound that they thought was i am me um, and then the last thing, <laughs> the last thing I want to say is my favorite quote from this episode of which like it, it would have been pretty cool, but then he, he just, let me just read it to you. 
This is from I, Zach. I just don't see how anything can be cool. This is from... Like, well, no, no, not cool, but like... You'll see. You'll, you'll know. Go for it. So this is from uh, Zach Bagans. Uh, quote, This building here will complete our checklist for the most haunted mining towns in Nevada. <laughs> it, I am the tattoo artist. I am the <laughs> tattoo artist. <laughs> What what is that commercial for? I don't Geico or something like that. I don't remember. Oh my god! I am the tattoo artist in the city. Okay. Um, but yeah, see, like as that sentence goes along, like you're like, okay, this building here will complete our checklist. Okay, for the most haunted. Okay, mining towns. Okay, in Nevada. What? I don't know. <laughs> it's just oh, it's just so good. I have to laugh. Um, yeah, that wraps up my story about the Mispah Hotel. I, su- I mean, I, I, I never, again, I never heard of it. Um, I just find it odd that everything happened after the 2011. I mean, there might have been stuff before then, but it also could be like the renovation, like stirred spirits. Well, I think everyone now who does that, it's just, this is the thing, right? Oh, it's haunted. So it, in a way it gets, um, mm. some press. And then of course, if you can get anyone that has a tv show to right then you get like then you're gonna get free press and then that means people will come and you know hey you can't fault them for it but i think you have to take everything with a grain of salt yeah they also i was kind of pissed because in the ghost adventures episode they like stopped in the middle of their investigation of the mispa like they were doing like the initial daytime thing then they stayed the night but then for this one they like did the initial thing and they're like oh you know there's this other house called the Castle House that's, like, really close by. That that was our first investigation. So we're going to go there for a little bit, and then we're going to come back. And I was like, well, I'm, that's not what I'm... No, it's because they're like, we have nothing. Oh, my God, we got to fill half an hour or whatever the period of time is, and yeah, whatever. I can't. His voice just... Uh, just yeah, there's no point. No more. We're, no more promotion. You got to... It's like Voldemort. <laughs> you got to just do it that way. Cannot mention the name. Well, I hope I get more Bagel Bites stories because they're really great all right well well done thank you all right so my story is true crime all right it is um it's a murder serial rapist um it was a cold case okay until very recently but we'll talk about that too and it takes place in the wonderful hometown of yours really i mean (laughs) Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, and this is 1969. But there's, I mean, the murder itself takes place in 69. But we'll go into all the details while we go through through okay. that. Okay. So th- the way I got about, or why I even got down this path, I, I knew nothing about this case. Um, but I've now lived here in Cambridge for probably the longest period of my life of any place. So grew up in my town where I grew up. Um, or any house for maybe mm. a certain amount of years. But I have now been here, moved to Massachusetts in 93, right? Moved to Cambridge in 95. Okay. And have been in this, the house that, you know, that you only know since 99, wow. right? So, you know, 20 plus years here. Um, and Cambridge as, as a whole is, you know, is not, is slightly different than most of these. I think it's kind of in its own bubble. You know, it's called the People's Republic for a reason. Mm. Um, but it's a very pretty, it's a very young 
city mm-hmm. because of all the colleges and things like that. Um, but it's also very di- diverse. I think that's the one amazing thing that I've noticed, and I think from you too, just from school and everything yeah. else. But like most cities, Cambridge is, has had to deal with crime, and some of it has some violent, some other, you know, just like normal. So it's, you know, it's a city, but I wouldn't say that it's safe. Like, I don't feel scared. Right. Like walking yeah. around, that kind of thing. Um, I think where we are, where we live, we're, we're pretty fortunate, right? Because we, mm. we have neighbors. Some of them have been here 60 plus years, right? Generations, like passed down. The, you know, like, for example, like, uh, we know the one, the, our neighbor that's on the corner here, mm-hmm. he grew up in that house. It's, it was his parents' house, and then he moved in to that oh, house. Wow. So it's, it's, you know, over, I don't know how many generations, but, you know, that corner is named after his parents. There's like, really? if you saw the sign there, yeah. Um, and then when we moved here, in, or when we bought the place in 99, um, you know, nothing crazy about the place, but... After your brother was born, mm-hmm. that year, that summer, mm-hmm. um, we did get, it, there was a pretty big scare. It, I can't remember, it's, I think it might have been the beginning of the summer, but there were gunshots outside his room, his window. And, oh, I remember that. Right, and we found out later it was a uh, nine millimeter handgun, about six shells were shot. And, you know, you're kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then we found out. That it was because there was a turf war going on between a bunch of rival gangs within rival cities. So Somerville, um, East Boston, and all these other things going on with huh. Cambridge Group. But um, but that was kind of, you know, the one crazy thing that happened around here. Until just recent, right? Until mm-hmm. this past January 2nd. Yeah. We had a murder or, you know, homicide at Danny Hay Park, which is... Pretty much, the Danny Park is the park for the city, right? It's yeah. got multiple soccer fields, multiple baseball fields. Mm-hmm. The high school plays there, all like lacrosse, you know, whatever it is. It's it's used runners. There's a dog park and everything else. But a man, Paul Wilson, who's uh, he was 60 at the time, was bludgeoned to death around 6 p.m. on January 2nd, and he lives right up the street from us. Oh wow! Here's another thing. He lives in the condos where your mom her first condo she bought whoa and that paul was on the board had been on the board since so your mom i mean he was the the head of or i don't know what so he was on the board. she knew him i mean she she had met him i mean she knew of him because he was right. at the time but um so that that's where your mom lived before she we before we bought this place holy crap they the thing that's crazy is that they still don't have any suspects and they really haven't updated the public about it specifically since since the last community meeting that was a couple mm. weeks back. Um, and the scariest part of that is they believe, at least the, at, there was that community meeting, they, they said that they think it was a random act. Mm. And that, you know, it's just an unknown. I mean, not that you want anyone to die, but if there's at least so, knowing that this was some, you know, maybe premeditated or something, that there may be a little bit more of that. Not everyone's um, at risk here, but right now we don't know. And the uh, we had that there was a great meeting with the DA and the police chief. They went through everything else, but there was something interesting that the police chief had said during that meeting was that this was the first non-gun deadly assault in the last ten years or so. Huh. So, um, and like we said, it's, it was unsolved. So that got me thinking, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, 
I, I, I didn't, again, never really thought Cambridge to be that violent, but this was different. I mean, I, we have had gun violence here. Right. I mean, just recently, there was a couple, you know, in the, the um, in mid-Cambridge kind of mm, things going yeah, on. Yeah, I remember that. So I was like, okay, I just want to take a look at what other cases have been in, uh, have been involved here in Cambridge. So I went to the police department's website and found a report that had, there was a bunch of reports, but I found a report specifically from 1959 to 1989, 30 years of what has happened in all murders or homicides in that period of time. So I'm just going to quote this. This is their definition of what they define murder, murder and non-negligent manslaughter encompasses the willful non-negligent killing of one human being by another. So that's their definition, right? So in this report, that's manslaughter and murder are involved, Mm -hmm. okay? And this is also what it said. So during the 31-year period from 1959 to 1989, Cambridge recorded 121 murders, an average of four per year. Of these, 80, of, of these 121, 84 or 69% were considered cleared according to Federal Bureau of Investigation standards. The homicide clearance rate nationally was about 72%. In 1980, or sorry, was 72% in 1980 and has declined steadily since then to about 61.5% in 2015. Okay, so basically um, at one point they were get, catching a lot more people and figuring out who they were murdered and now it's getting less and less to figure out who it is because it's only 61, 61% mm-hmm. as a few years back. So it's like, okay, that's interesting. Um, I tried to then find another report from 89 to present, but I couldn't find anything that was in an aggregate, aggregated it in that way. Right. But the 2018 report looked like the average of murders per year was down to about two in Cambridge oh. per year. And that was, they did it like over five years. So mm-hmm. some years there were, they actually was a year, I think that there was five and then one year where there was none. So a rolling five years average is about two per year. And then since 1990 to 2017, mm-hmm. there have been 60 murders. Oh. All right. So in that 31 year, 30 period, it's pretty much halved now here in Cambridge. So it's better. Right. Right. Yeah, it is definitely better. So then I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I went through the more through that 59 to 89 report, and there were a few cold cases. And I have the report. If you want to post it at one point, you can. Um, but there was one year that caught my attention. On January 7th, 1969, Jane Britton, she's 23 years old, was found bludgeoned to death in her apartment. About a month later, on February 6th, Ada Bean, 50 years old, was also found bludgeoned to death in her apartment. Oh, wow. So that was kind of the starting point for like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, you know, let me start looking around. So I started trying to research as much as I could. And what I found was the Britton case had a lot more detail than the Bean case. And after 50 years almost now, Mm -hmm. it was considered solved this past November. Really? So we're going to talk about the story of Jane Britton. All right. All right. So we're getting into the crime timeline. Crime timeline. <laughs> Jane Britton was born in 1945. Actually, before I do that, let me just say. So my resources were, um, actually, Wikipedia had a good piece on this. And I think basically because it's now been solved, so I think they have a lot more reports. But All right. the Harvard Crimson mm. did a bunch. So I found stuff from exactly, from 1969, that when it happened, the murder or what they were saying, um, 
the Boston Globe, the Washington Post, uh, the there's a couple of this. Boston.com had a bunch, and then um, I found something in Twin Cities huh. in in Minnesota, more Minneapolis, I should say. So those are my main main stories, but a lot of it is from the Globe and the Post for the recent stuff. But the original murders were the Harvard, the Crimson, basically. Oh, right. So as I was saying, she was born in 1945. She grew up in Needham, Massachusetts, and lived a pretty happy and she was pretty privileged life. Oh. She attended the Dana Hall School, which is a uh, it's a private school in Wellesley. Mm. Uh, she had horses. Well, she rode horses. She played piano. She painted. Her father was a administrative VP for Rad- Radcliffe College. Whoa. And so and. Radcliffe at the time was an all-female liberal arts school mm-hmm. and was considered one of the seven sister colleges of Harvard. Um, I think it's now owned by Harvard. Um, I think in 99, it became officially part of the Harvard, uh, a part of Harvard University. Huh. Um, but Radcliffe College is, if you go down... Oh, yeah. You know, cuts. once we were walking by and yeah, I fell we, and I got a lot of gravel stuck in my palm and it well, hurt. Walking down Garden Street, yeah. right, on the way to Harvard, it's right there. Um, she continued, uh, sorry, so she studied anthropology and graduated magna cum laude in 67 wow. from Radcliffe. After that, she would continue her education at Harvard in their graduate uh, program. She's trying to get a, a PhD. And she did most of her work at the Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Ethnology. You know the Peabody Museum. You went there. You've gone to the Peabody Museum. It's uh huh. You went there on school trips all the time in elementary school. The one museum with where the animals. I think that's so. That's a natural history, right? But it's at, right there. That's oh. archaeology. We'll go with yes. I definitely know where that is. Yeah, you can memorize. Hey. She lived at uh, four to, four University or six University Road. It, it's in Harvard Square. Mm-hmm. That is the building across from the Charles Hotel. So oh. you know where we go to Legal Seafoods and when we go when when Grandpa's here and all. Yeah. Across the street. Whoa. Is it's it's multiple numbers. It's either four University Road, six University Road. Um, so she lived in Harvard Square. At that time, mm-hmm. those apartments were awful. Oh. Roach infested. You know, just decrepit. Oh. The locks to both the outer and inner doors pretty much were crap. So getting into the building, anyone could. Your The doors to your apartments didn't even work. Oh, my God. So um, the and the area surrounding Harvard... So again, we're talking in the middle of Harvard Square, right? The area surrounding that building was also unsafe. So there were muggings all the time. Oh. Um, just a whole host of things would happen. I think she actually got mugged a few weeks earlier Mm-hmm. And she was debating on just I got I want to live some move somewhere else or live somewhere else. On January sixth, Britton and her boyfriend James Humphreys went out to dinner with other graduate students, and then they went skating on the common. So there used to be skating on the common um, before returning to her apartment around uh, ten thirty. Then Humphreys left around eleven thirty, and Britton went on to have another drink with friends next door, the mm-hmm. Mitchells, um, and she knew them very well. She actually. Uh, played the organ organ at their wedding oh wow so they were really close um and she left around twelve thirty, and i believe the they were cat sitting for mm-hmm. her 
So that was our fire alarm, just sort of, was it a test? It's testing, yeah. Well, anyway, so, <laughs> um, so she left around 1230 getting her cat and went back home. To her apartment, I should say. On January 7th, Humphreys was alarmed when Britain didn't show up for a doctoral exam. It was a big exam, so they were all doing, um, this was kind of a culmination of, of something. So it was a mandatory exam before you start getting to your thesis portion of your of your um, PhD. So you don't miss this, you know, mm. this is, uh, but I also found it out that they were all laid out, you know, the night yeah, before that. True. But um, so he tried calling her multiple times, no answer. After the exam, roughly around noon, he went to go check on her. And when he got there, he found her face down on her bed with her nightgown pulled over her head. And strangely, there was like a rug and a coat covering her body. Huh. And then, you know, he would discover that she had been bludgeoned to oh death, basically. Now, here's what's weird. Like, I read someplace else, and this was, I think this might have been in Wikipedia. I was trying to find it in the other articles. One, uh, one report said that he saw her that way, and he just thought she was feeling ill. So he didn't do anything. He went next door to the Mitchells to have them come in. Like, so he just was like, she's lying in her bed. You know, there's, sees a nightgown like over and sees a rug and sees um, the uh, the coat over her and just like, oh, she's probably not feeling well. Let me go get a neighbor to just check on her. Right. Um, to see if she's okay versus like, this is your girlfriend. Yeah. And you're not checking on her. So that was kind of odd that to see if that happened weird. there or not. So he basically, she, apparently it wasn't just him, but maybe the Mitchells that came next door that actually um, realized that that found her basically bludgeoned to death. So they called the police. Yep. And when the police arrived, their conclusion, of course, that she was bludgeoned to death and sexually assaulted. Oh, my. Here's what's really kind of spooky. So four years earlier in the same building was the murder and rape of Beverly Samens, or I think I'd say say it, a 23-year-old Boston, Boston University student. And... Albert DeSalvo. Do you know that name? Yeah, I do. Why do I know it? The Boston Strangler. Oh. Claimed responsibility for that murder and was in jail, though, at the time of Britain's death. Now, there is a whole, that, that whole case, there's a whole bunch of things thinking that he wasn't the only one that killed all those people in mm. Boston. And even her body, they weren't exactly sure if it was, if it was him or not. But same building four years earlier. So now, and it seems like this happens to be with all the cases we've been talking about in the late 60s, early 70s. From the get-go, the crime scene was not secured. Mm. It was believed that anyone who had access to the building could enter the room. So again, now remember, the doors are unlocked and lots of other things. yeah. And then here's a weird thing. So they also noticed this un- unusual red ochre powder throughout the apartment. Hmm. And because this was a Harvard student, the national news was all over it of uh, discussing the murder, plus also because of the Boston Strangler and all these other things. Right. So since it was associated with Harvard, you know, experts, of course, start coming out of the woodworks, explaining what they think, and this red ochre paint would become a kind of a prime component of what the theories were. And one particular theory by an existing university professor in the anthropology department, and it gained a lot of steam and was pushed throughout nationally because of this, he said that the powder, the, the powder was some sort of substance used in Persian burial ceremonies. Oh. Okay. And here's what's great. So Britain had been in an archaeology excursion in Iran just the previous year. 
Oh, wow. So rumor starts swirling around that the murderer was part of the anthropology department and that w- and was known to Britain. Well, that would make sense. It was a red herring, though, because... Oh. No. It was a known fact that Britain was a painter and the substance was just a material oh. she used in her paint. But right. for that early stages, all of our, so, you know, they're thinking it's, and again, it was a professor in the department that was like, oh, it's Persian, right. bur- you know, burial. I mean, so it just caused all this chaos and confusion. That theory again was propagated and it became like the main, uh, the main motive, the main motive or made of suspect list kind of thing. So they started looking at all the people in the anthropology department. Mm. They had to interview all these professors, all the students, Humphreys, and that whole thing about him not looking at the body and getting him. Like there was all these weird things right. going on. And also, like, isn't it if you cover the body, like, doesn't it mean like you knew the person or something? It, not in all cases. Well, it could be because like, if you, well, it depends if you're doing it while in the act, right? As well, because right. you just want, or it's, I'm just trying to hide the thing because mm. I don't want anybody to know that she's still asleep right. that kind of thing um, so also because of this and them going down this path of somebody known the case just started getting colder and colder because they couldn't find anyone right. the police didn't find the weapon either that was used to bludgeon her to death on the scene and it was later reported though that there was a stone artifact that was missing from Britain's apart her apartment. Oh wow! And they would find that stone three day three days later, and it was just a very it was a you know like a rock, but it had a pointed component. So they believe that was the murder weapon. Did it have any blood on it? Um, I believe so. I think they believe that was exactly the case. Mm. Now, as they started speaking to friends, you know, the friends did say like, "Yeah, there is some." I mean, enough people knew that there were that it was missing, right? But they interviewed everybody in the apartment building, and one and there were eyewitness reports about that evening. One, um, it was a, a, a child. It doesn't say how old he was, but he says he remembered a lot of noise outside on the fire escape around, you know, late evening after twelve thirty. Oh. And then somebody else, I wit- another eyewitness, reported that he saw, or she, I don't know if it was a man or woman, a six foot, 170 pound, roughly 170 pound, 170 pound man running away from the building around 1.30 in the morning. 1.30. Okay. So That's she left 12.30, 1.30, they thought they saw something. So the noises were all around post 12.30 and this person. Okay. Running away. As the weeks went on, her close friends, colleagues, neighbors, and professors were all eliminated as suspects. Okay. A month later, February 6th, Ada Bean, a 50-year-old widow, was found bludgeoned to death in her apartment at 41 Linnaean Street. Whoa. Which is the apartment building across from your elementary school. Oh, my God. She was also, or your past elementary school. <laughs> no, she, I still go there. <laughs> she was also found with her nightgown pulled over her head. The wep- there was no weapon found at the scene. And again, it was speculated that she probably knew her killer. Oh, my God. This caused, again, more alarm to the community. But no suspects were charged in the ensuing investigation. They thought that they could have been connected. But it also went cold. <sighs> so we're talking less than a month apart. Very similar circumstances. That building did have locks, though. 
Okay. Okay. So, um, and she, the only reason they found out that her, she didn't show up at work the next day and, um, they called and I think a janitor went in and found her body there. Aww. So let's talk about the suspects. Okay. All so, right. It would take almost 50 years before they would get a break in the case. Wow. The Middlesex County DA would follow the same process tact that brought down the Golden State Killer. All right. Yes. So in 2017, they performed a bunch of additional tests on DNA and got a hit. Oh, my God. The suspect, Michael Sumter. Okay. All right. Here we go. So Sumter had been linked to two murders and... Uh, murder slash rapes in the early 70s and another rape in 85 in the Boston area. Okay. On January 5th, 1972, Ellen Ruthnick was found strangled and sexually assaulted in her Beacon Street apartment in Back Bay, Boston. Oh, wow. On December 12th, 1973, now I should go back. January 5th, 1972 is almost the three-year anniversary of Britain. Oh, it was, oh. So you were in there. On December 12th, 1973, Mary Lee McLean was found strangled and sexually assaulted in her Beacon Hill apartment, but both cases also went cold. Huh. In 1975, in the same neighborhood of where Ruthnick, sorry, Ruthnick's lived, mm-hmm. Sumter posed as a maintenance worker and was let into, this, into the victim's home. He raped the victim, but he would be caught, and he also got convicted. And as part of his conviction, he was ordered to provide DNA to be entered into the sex offender database. Oh. And he was sentenced to 15 to 25 years in prison because of that. Wow. All right, so this is 75. In 1985, he would leave his work furlough release program. Oh, my God. And rape another Boston woman. So he escaped, raped, and went back. Right, he didn't, like, escape. He just did it while he was on the work release program. Oh, my God. It would take years before Sumter Sumter would be linked to those additional rapes and murders. In 2002, as part of a project to reinvestigate unsolved sexual assaults using DNA evidence, Sumter was identified as a suspect in that 1985 rape. Whoa. So isn't that weird? So they, I mean, he was in jail though at at the time of the 85 rape, but they found the DNA and they went through that database and just by chance checked it and... That's how he got convicted for the 85 rape. In 2010, mm. they were able to now f- do diff- new strands of DNA testing, like right. just figure out things. So they would run the tests again against this database, and they would get a hit against Ruthnick and the McLean murders. Whoa. So just because of that DNA being held, they could find ways to do that. So they just kept getting more and more, more hits, hits, and they went through there. And um, in 2017... The Massachusetts State Police Crime Lab determined another forensic or a new forensic technique to pay, to pull, and this is the technical term, the Y-STR or the male specific, the male specific profile from DNA. So they got a, a new strand huh. of a DNA component that they could extract from the um, the DNA that they had on at the murder scene and these other things. Interesting. That pro- that profile was run through a database of known sex offenders. A match returned Michael Sumter. Wow. However, Sumter died of cancer. No. In 2001. Are you serious? So they couldn't still prove it, right? Because right. they didn't know exactly. I mean, it, 
made it pretty clear that he could be be the person. So what they did to prove to, to prove this without a reasonable doubt, they had to to identify that killer. They needed to find other male relatives that may have had that Y dash STR strand. Oh. They knew he had a brother, mm. but they didn't know where he was. So they submitted that DNA sample to Ancestry.com. Oh my God. And it led police to his brother. And he, then he provided a sample mm-hmm. that matched the one believed to be of the, 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 they matched it to be so, to be closely to his brother, but it eliminated his brother. So what, what I'm saying is that this, the, 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 it was a, a, a hit that they were related, but yeah. it wasn't exactly the same as that strand enough though. But what they do believe is that it eliminates all but 0.08% of the human male population as a suspect. So basically 99.2% mm-hmm. belief that it's Sumter. Good. Okay. So what I'm what I'm just saying is that they they could tell enough that that strain was linked to that family, but it wasn't that brother. Now, they could tie Sumter to the area. Okay. He was born in Cambridge. Uh-huh. Or not born in Cambridge. He actually lived in Cambridge in the fifties. Went to public public school in Cambridge, mm-hmm. and then they found that he was working very close by to where Britain lived oh um in a program and he was not known to any of them really no so it was completely random completely that's terrifying yeah so in the end during the time and this is the conclusion of this during the time of the boston strangler mm-hmm. there were multiple serial rapists in cambridge and the surrounding areas so you know oh my god so think about it. i mean he was there in the as well right Sumter chose his victims completely randomly, and he got away with the murders in his lifetime. He got away with it, right? Never got charged for it. For Jane Britton, her only remaining sole relative is her brother, and he was over the moon. Like, he actually, a year earlier in 2017, they were talking about this case, and he was just like, it's never going to be solved. And there were a bunch of people trying to figure it out. Um, but his other victims were from the 70s. Right. Also, right, have gotten closure so the families of those of those did I mean, yeah i guess there's that what we don't know though is or was ada bean one of his victims right and are there other unsolved assaults or murders in the area now when i looked at that database of unsolved murders in cambridge there weren't any others in that period of time huh. um at least i couldn't remember i should actually look one more time to see if there was anything in the later 70s before he got caught in 75. Right. But who knows? There could have been a whole host of others in the Boston area. And lastly, there, the, there is a former New Yorker journalist. Her name um, is Becky Cooper, who's writing a book about the case at, as we speak. And the original reporter on the case from the um, United Press International, his name was Michael Widmer. Uh-huh. He's also, he was the one that was just trying, he's been, he retired He's lived in Boston all his life, but that was his first uh, story as a journalist was her murder, and it haunted him forever. So I'm not sure if he's helping Becky Cooper or if he's doing his own thing, but he was keeping it alive. And for the longest period of time, they were trying to get um, Freedom Freedom of Information Act um, documents from the the Middlesex County DA, and for years they said, nope, 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 nope. And they were saying they were working on it, but no one believed they were working on it, but they were. 
I mean, they had this thing. They were just trying to figure out the hits. Now, I don't know how cold it was or if they just put it on the side saying that at some point we'll do it. But mm. it was in 2017 that Widmer and Cooper went to the Boston Globe to say, we've been trying to get information about this case and the DA won't, won't let us any, any information. So I don't know if they were a catalyst for them to go back and try to extract the DNA and do these things because of what happened with the Golden State Killer right. or whatever. But they solved the killer, or they believe, 99.2% chance that it was Sumter. He could be um, looking at his alibis, He was, or looking at his history. He was in Cambridge at the time, worked in Cambridge at the time, not too far away from those places, and would know the area because he he grew up, or at least in the 50s, he was living here. Yeah, that's... So, it's your hometown. Yeah, that doesn't make me feel very good about it. Well, all I'll say is that in the... That period of time from, if you look at this, uh, that from 59 to mid 70s, I mean, it was not safe. I mean, the amount of, the amount of murders you'll read, I mean, there were gunshots and it looks, it had to be all mob related at the mm. time, like the Whitey Bulger, that kind of thing going on. There were killings all over the place. And, uh, and there's also others around here. I read one that this was terrible, but, um, a woman, um, not too far, a couple blocks from here, mm-hmm. back, I think, in 90, was it 99? I can't remember exactly. She murdered her one-year-old, almost <gasps> two-year-old. No. Because she was afraid that that baby knew would would tell her husband, who was in prison, that she was having an affair. Just around a block. Like, tell the husband. So she was what? having an affair. She was afraid that the, the, the kid knew oh and she but it's it was one well almost two but whatever i yeah still i don't know what to tell you it's crazy so there are that that was just crazy to look into cambridge and all Jesus. the violent murders that have happened and and all i can say is that it was definitely crazy in that period of time of the late mm. 60s early Sounds 70s like it. i mean it's a lot different now but again hopefully you know this what happened with paul wilson they'll they'll solve that they'll solve that and you know find out what's going on there yeah but yeah wow and that's my story that's really creepy okay so the fun fact this week um is something that i learned in school about cambridge you memorize this stop oh my (laughs) god i swear (sighs) go ahead we went, I, th- I was in like... So is this about Cambridge? Yeah. Okay. I just. I just... think I was in third grade. Yeah, I was in third grade. Okay. We went on a field trip just to like the Cambridge Common. Mm-hmm. And it's really, there's a lot of like revolutionary war stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's this one tree that is, it's like surrounded by a fence. There's a little plaque and it's like um, under this tree, like general... I, don't think it, it might have been washington probably wasn't washington but some general like assembled like troops before like this battle or whatever right i don't remember all the details um and it's like this is a tree that they assembled under but it's not that tree really uh in fact the actual tree is has been cut down oh. it's in the middle of the road at a crosswalk um right near where the actual where the fake tree is there's a little like thing in the road like a tiny little like metal circle 
where the tree, thing, where, where the tree it was, and it's like a little marker. So it's a, right it's there. it's the uh, road. Um, is that garden going into Harvard Square? I don't is it across know. from um, where you went to uh, preschool? Yeah, preschool. So it's it's like that, right, it's right around that area. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's the only reason that we learned that was because our assistant teacher was like biking one way, and he, like traffic stopped, and he stopped and just like, looked down at the street, and it was right there. And that, get out. Yeah. That's too funny. I, I, now I have to look at that to see, it, you know, not during traffic, but. <laughs> yeah, um, please don't do that. Is it by the crosswalk itself? That yeah, you it's get by a, that crosswalk. Right by so the I tree so. that they show with the plaque is right by the crosswalk in the common area. Yeah. Oh, so oh, near the canyons. The right. Or yeah, the canyons, the... as Christian would say. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Go I Cambridge. mean, it could also be not a true fact that I my believe teacher that just the... sort of told us. Well, if the plaque is in the road that says that, then I could believe that. They... I mean, I haven't seen it myself because I haven't looked, but. We should go find that out so that we can see if our fun fact or my fun fact is true or not. Yeah, we could. But yeah, that is my sort of third grade cool. tidbit. So now let us start the spiel, the end of show spiel. So um, if you have your own fun facts, if you have your own fun facts for us, or you have a story that you want us to do, or you have your own story that you experienced or a friend experienced parent all of that stuff um true crime paranormal urban legends from where you grew up send those to us uh our email is everything in podcast at gmail.com you can also submit them through our website which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com um and then also on there will be visuals from this week's episode as well as other episodes still have to upload last week's <laughs> images because i didn't do that um but there's also some other fun stuff there um you can follow us on instagram at everything in podcast on twitter at between underscore podcast uh we have a facebook page and a facebook group both called everything in between podcast that you can sort of like our page or join our group i don't know how it works um so that's our social media say hi um and then also if you're listening on apple podcast please rate review and subscribe it really really helps um We'll get new, we're, and we're going to get some new equipment so we can do that, those mm-hmm. interviews with some of those folks too. So we're happy to actually, if you have some stories and you don't want to type them up and you want to just kind of... Say them. Yeah, we can record them and then we can summarize and tell the stories. Yes. So if um, you want to so we'll do, that, do that, we can do that. Yeah, cool. Uh, so yes, please do that. Let us know. Follow us. Twitter us. Facebook us. Look All social website. media, please. Yes, social media. Rate, review, subscribe, recommend to your friends. And I think that's about it. That's it. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye.